the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. What's worse, the fifth title for him here is the accuser of the brethren in verse 10. And it tells us that he accuses us before God day and night. Like he, he's relentless in his accusations. And by the way, not only does he accuse us before God, but he loves to accuse you to you. He loves to whisper to you. You're not really saved. He loves to whisper to you. God doesn't really love you. You already know that Satan is accusing you to God continually. He's bringing the truth about who you are and what you've done before the throne. What he doesn't understand is that when you're in Christ, all of that is covered. Who you are is in Christ Jesus, and what you've done has been covered by the blood of the Lamb. But today, Pastor Gary is going to remind you that he's always accusing you to you as well. That voice of shame in the night, it's him. But you can silence him with the truth. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Revelation chapter 12 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. So if you open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12, let me give, as always, kind of a running start so we can remind ourselves where we are in our study of Revelation. If you're just joining us, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Those of you in person, those of you watching online, we're making our way through the book of Revelation, going verse by verse. And um, as way of our timeline goes, this is the timeline for the book of Revelation. And uh, we are presently living in the church age, which is uh, uh, detailed for us between Revelations 1, 2, and 3. Uh, Jesus will rapture his church at any time. There's nothing that would prevent his return at any moment, so that's why we have to be ready for his return. And then after Jesus takes his church from the earth, physically snatches his church from the earth, then there will be seven years of tribulation. And that's where we are right now in, in our study through Revelation here in chapter 12, because tribulation is spelled out between chapter 6 and 18. And the wrath of God will be revealed through a series of seven seals that are broken, seven trumpets that are blown, seven bowls that are poured out. Presently in our study, where we are in chapter 12, we have finished talking about the seven seals and the seven trumpets. We are now in between the trumpets and the bowls. The bowls are introduced to us in chapter 15, and they get poured out in chapter 16. So these are just different visions that John has that express 
the wrath of God and the judgment of God that is coming upon the earth. Seals that are broken and the scroll that is read, the trumpets that are sounded and the judgments that are pronounced, and then bowls that will be poured out with more severe judgments. It progresses in intensity as you go through the, uh, the seals and then the trumpets and then the bowls. So right now where we are in our study in chapter 12 is right between the seven trumpets and the seven bowls. And so here's a brief outline of where we're going in chapters 12, 13, and 14. Chapter 12 is the explanation of God's redemptive plan through a woman and a child. Okay, there's a reference also to a dragon, and he is also mentioned in chapter 13, because chapter 13 is about the opposition to that plan, to that redemptive plan of God, by the dragon, the beast out of the sea, and the beast out of the earth. And so depending on how far we get tonight, we're going to get a little bit probably into chapter 13. We'll talk about those terms. And then chapter 14 that we'll get to eventually is the proclamation of that plan by three angels. You know, it's wonderful to see how God doesn't give up on trying to communicate his redemptive plan to the earth. That even in the midst of a people who have rejected God and and forsaken Christ, God continues to go to great lengths to communicate his redemptive plan. Chapter 14 is a wonderful chapter in the midst of all the chaos and tribulation where God actually dispatches three angels. The only time that angels have been given the privilege of sharing the gospel, that otherwise has been entrusted to you and me. That human beings have been entrusted with the wonderful privilege of sharing the gospel, the good news with people about Jesus. But in chapter 14, God is going to call angels in particular to share this redemptive plan so that no one on the earth is with it, without um, excuse, you know, that you have heard now, and so you, you know now, and so you will be accountable. So this is the brief outline where we're going from chapters 12 into 13, and then eventually into chapter 14. So in chapter 12, where we left off is this introduction to us where John writes about a woman, and he writes about a child, and he writes about a dragon. And I'm going to read verses uh, 1 through 6 again so we can get our bearings straight. And then I'll, I'll pray and we'll, we'll dig out these verses together. So chapter 12, verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. And then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,200 and 60 days. All right, let's pause there and pray. Father, we come before you tonight grateful for the cross, thankful that Jesus loves us so much that he gave his life as a sacrifice for our sins. And as we read through these verses of Revelation, we thank you that you've given us a glimpse into things that are to come. Lord, some of these words are are veiled to us. Some of these things are descriptive of a vision that you gave John And he's trying to translate it in terms that we would understand today. So give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that would receive what you would say to us in these days, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We thank you together in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 
So last week, we identified the woman in uh, chapter 12 as Israel. We talked about how the opening verses of chapter 12 in relation to the woman who was clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet and on her head a garland of 12 stars, that that is very similar to the dream that Joseph had in Genesis chapter 37 when God gave Joseph this dream about his father, Jacob, otherwise also renamed Israel. And that his father Jacob is a, in the dream that Joseph had, was a picture of the sun. And that Joseph's mother Rachel was a picture of the moon in that same dream. And the 12 stars, well, Jacob had 12 sons that became the 12 tribes of Israel that made up eventually the whole nation of Israel. That came from these 12 sons of Jacob. And so when you put all the, that description together, the dream that, that Joseph had in Genesis 37, the description basically of the nation of Israel represented by the sun and the moon and the stars, that when you get here to Revelation chapter 12, in terms of biblical consistency, it makes sense that the woman in this picture here is, is really a representation of the nation of Israel. And throughout the Old Testament, Israel is often represented as a woman in Isaiah 54, Jeremiah 3, Ezekiel 16, and Hosea chapter 2. So the identification of the sun, moon, and stars is uh, no doubt a picture of Israel. Now then, she is great with child. She gives birth to a child. And before we talk about who the child is, if you'll notice in verse 3 that John sees another sign, and behold, a great fiery red dragon. So we're introduced also to a dragon here, and this dragon is described as fiery red. He's described as having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems or seven crowns on his head. And so some have read this and thought that this is a picture of the revived Roman Empire, that the last world-dominating empire on the planet was the Roman Empire. I mean, Hitler tried to dominate the world, but really there's not been a world-dominating empire since the Roman Empire. And some read this and think this is going to be a revival of the Roman Empire. But in actuality, what we read here about the seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns, it simply means that the dragon comes with authority, that's the idea, of the heads and the crowns, and that he influences world government during the tribulation period. But he is not the revived Roman Empire. He impacts the world during this particular time of the tribulation. And if you'll glance further down again at verse 9, in verse 9 it says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And so it's pretty clear, you know, don't you love it when the Bible, when you read something in the Bible, you're like, well, who would this red dragon be? And then verse 9 says, okay, well, let's describe him by name. And in verse 9, we're given all these different names. And so the dragon is none other than Satan. The dragon is none other than, than Satan. And within these verses, let me read verse 7 down through verse 12, we're going to see five different names or titles for Satan. So in verse 7, we'll come back and tile this together, but verse 7, and war broke out in heaven, Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. 
And then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him, that is the dragon, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Okay, this is all descriptive of Satan. And so what we have here in the verses are five different names and titles of Satan. He is noted here as, in verse 9, the serpent of old. God goes all the way back here in this reference to Genesis chapter 3, when Satan appears as a serpent to deceive and to tempt first Eve and then Adam with her. In the Hebrew, the word for the serpent is nahash. Nahash literally translates copper or bronze. In other words, the very appearance of the serpent was glistening. That there was some kind of a, you know, a copper-like or a bronze-like appearance of him such that he glistened. And it shouldn't surprise us because Paul writes in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen that Satan masquerades around as an angel of light. There is something very illuminating, very brilliant, very beautiful about how Satan was originally created, even when he was thrown to earth and cast out of heaven and appears in the form of a serpent, that he still maintains some kind of a glistening copper-like appearance. But God goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 to refer to him here, in this passage of Revelation 12, as the serpent of old. He's also known here in verse 9 as the devil. The devil in Greek is diabolos, and it means accuser. And then also he's known here as Satan. In fact, that's the same spelling in Hebrew as Satan. Satan means literally adversary or enemy. And Peter will write in 1 Peter 5, 8, that we need to be self-controlled and alert because our enemy The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's on the hunt for you, for me. And he's also known here in this passage as the one who deceives the whole world. Paul will write in 2 Corinthians 4.4, The God of this age, small g, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Satan's ambition is to deceive people from coming into the knowledge of the truth. And he will do whatever he can to deceive people from understanding the truth of who Jesus is. And what's worse, the fifth title for him here is the accuser of the brethren in verse 10. And it tells us that he accuses us before God day and night. Like he's relentless in his accusations. And by the way, not only does he accuse us before God, but he loves to accuse you to you. He loves to whisper to you, you're not really saved. He loves to whisper to you, God doesn't really love you. He loves to whisper to you, he accuses you. You think that you've been forgiven of that sin, you haven't been forgiven of that sin. He loves to shame and accuse and to lie to us. Jesus said he is a liar and the father of lies. And his ambition... Because he knows, notice the way that section ended that I just read. He knows that his time is short. There in verse 12. He knows his time is short. 
And so he wants to take as many people with him as possible. That's his ambition. And he hates you because you look like and are related to and are loved by your father. And so he hates you. He hates your life. He hates your marriage. He hates your kids. He hates everything about you. And his intent is to destroy. And so we have to be on our guard. That's why Peter said, I just read it a moment ago, 1 Peter 5, 8, be self-controlled. Be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, John, as he writes this, is actually going back in time. Remember, not everything in the Bible is chronological, and not everything in Revelation is necessarily chronological. There's some things that are kind of circular. John actually goes back and makes reference here to when Satan was expelled from heaven, because originally Satan was created as this guardian cherub. In fact, in Ezekiel chapter 28, it tells us that Satan was originally created as an an anointed guardian cherub before he rebelled against God, and He was of the highest angelic order. In Ezekiel 28, it tells us that his body was adorned with every precious stone, like ruby, topaz, emerald, and sapphire, listed there in Ezekiel 28, that his settings and mountings, it's interesting terminology, the King James says his tabrets and pipes, and when you dig out the original language of the Hebrew in Ezekiel 28, it indicates to us that Satan was actually, when he was created by God, had musical instrumentation embedded in his being. That he was, he was, it is believed, the worship leader in heaven. And somebody once said that when he was kicked out of heaven, he landed in the choir. <laughs> if you're not a pastor, you don't get that joke. But anyway, um, and so he was kicked out of heaven. And John actually refers to this when he talks there in verse 7 about war breaking out in heaven. Do you see that there in Revelation 12? And war broke out in heaven. And Michael, he's, he's the archangel Michael. Michael's mentioned five times in the, in the Bible. That, that Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. Okay, so there's this coup in heaven. There's this rebellion in heaven where Satan leads this, this revolt against God. And some of the angels join with him. And it tells us that his angels fought. And so Michael and other angels in heaven are... And so you, you got to imagine this, this angelic battle that is happening in heaven. Satan is leading this rebellion, and he's, and he's getting as many angels to come with him in this rebellion. But it says in verse 8, but they did not prevail, and no place was found for them in heaven any longer. I mean, you're going to lead a coup against God. You got to go. And so after they lost, God kicks them out of heaven. And so Satan and these fallen angels, otherwise known as demons, are now given the territory of the earth as their playground. And so in the unseen realm, we can't see them, but these fallen angels, these demonic principalities, now are trying to influence everything and everyone. In our world. And all you have to do is turn on TV and watch a little news, and you can see that this is true. This is true. This is what is happening. And this is why in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writes about how we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and darkness and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, unseen, but demonic principalities at work, 
Satan as the leader of these demonic principalities, these, these angels that rebelled with him, kicked out of heaven, and now their domain is the earth. And um, it, it talks about how the angels were cast out with him at the end of verse 9 and cast to the earth. Jesus in Luke ten eighteen told us that he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Because, of course, Jesus being God was there when Satan was kicked out of heaven. And Jesus testified to it in Luke ten eighteen. He said, yeah, I was there when Satan was kicked out of heaven and kicked to earth and his angels who rebelled with him. Now, how many rebelled with him? We don't know. The Bible says that a third of the stars went with Satan. How many is a third of the angelic hosts? We don't know how many this represents. Tens of thousands, millions, we don't know. A lot. One demon is one too many. (laughs) But all of this is to give us this background here of, of the dragon and who he is and what he's up to. So now, if Israel is in fact represented here by the woman, Satan is represented here by the dragon, then the question becomes who is the male child who is mentioned here that the woman gives birth to? Well, again, look at verse 5. In verse 5, it says, And she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Circle that. A rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. All right, there's a lot right in there. First of all, circle rod of iron, and then circle caught up to God. The rod of iron is literally an iron scepter. And it is obviously something that one who is a ruler would possess. And in fact, in Psalm chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it's a messianic passage, and it says this, Psalm 2, 8 and 9, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Psalm 2, a messianic passage referring to the Messiah who has a rod of iron, or literally an iron scepter as he rules the nations in the future. And in chapter 19, if you'll jump ahead in your Bibles, Revelation 19, go ahead to chapter 19 real quick. I want to show you verse 15, because Revelation 19 is about the return of Jesus to the earth after the tribulation is over, when he comes to settle everything with the battle of Armageddon. And in Revelation chapter 19, verse 15, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with what? A rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. So the rod of iron is an iron scepter. It's the picture of a king. This is a reference to Messiah. So the male child is none other than Jesus Christ. And it tells us, if you go back now to Revelation 12, it tells us also in verse 5, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. What's that a reference to? It's a picture of when Christ rose from the dead and then ascended back into heaven where he presently is. And he's coming again. That he was caught up to God and to his throne. So now we have to tie all this together here. Because you have a picture of the woman being a picture of Israel, not Mary. The Roman Catholic Church says it's Mary. It's more than that. This is the picture of Israel. The dragon is Satan. The male child is a picture here of Jesus. When you put it all together, here's the whole concept. John is seeing for us the redemptive plan of God. That God had a plan and a mission to save the world. Because we're all sinners and we're all separated from God because of our sin. And so he raises up the nation of Israel. He gives birth to a nation out of nothing. 
I mean, Abraham was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. Where did the first Jew come from? Abraham became the first Jew because God selected him as a pagan Gentile that through his seed, all nations would be blessed. Out of the seed of Abraham is birthed a nation, the Jewish nation. And God had a redemptive plan in mind when he selected Abraham. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this edition in Revelation again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary through his Bible teachings, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Or you can download our mobile app to stay connected to the truth of God's Word everywhere you go. It's a great way to have a quiet time anytime. You'll find a link on our website, along with more information about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you. Come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Is there anything happening in your life right now that we could be praying for? We'd be honored to do that for you. Or is there anything God's doing that deserves some rejoicing? Please let us know. We love that we can interact with our listeners. So send us a quick email and we'll get back to you soon. Prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today. Put a marker where we left off in this final book of the Bible and make plans to join Pastor Gary next time for more right here on Cornerstone Connection. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.